You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Let's welcome in Tisha Thompson, investigative and enterprise reporter for ESPN, who has been right there, front and center, as all of this has unfolded. The D.C. Attorney General filing suit against Daniel Snyder, the commanders, Roger Goodell, and the NFL. The latest in a string of terrible news for the Washington football team and the beleaguered owner, Daniel Snyder. Uh, let's quickly talk about Attorney General Carl, Ra- Carl Racine and, and the reason that he's giving for why they decided to file this suit. Can you tell us, Tisha? Yeah, so in uh, Washington, D.C., there is a consumer protection law that the Attorney General says is very broad and gives them the ability to bring civil lawsuits against out-of-state companies if they have impacted D.C. residents. And he is making the argument that D.C. residents have been lied to, um, and he uses the word collusion, between the NFL and the Washington commanders as part of the ongoing um, investigation into the toxic workplace sexual harassment and and sexual assault allegations that have been made against uh, the executives within the Washington commanders. Um, So it is an interesting argument that D.C. would have jurisdiction over something like this. What I am most struck by is that a lawsuit like this, it's not a criminal suit, it's a civil lawsuit, would give them the ability to start forcing the team and the league to produce documents that we have not seen um, Mm. about how the NFL works and how the commanders operate uh, through the normal court process. You know, as an investigative reporter, I often will go to court documents because that's often the only way you can figure out how a business actually does does what it does. And there's few organizations that are more difficult to crack than the than the NFL. Um, so whether they'll be successful or not is, is is a whole nother kettle of fish. Because my expectation would be that both the team and the league will fight this really really hard in court. They don't want this kind of documentation, I would think, out there for people like me to look at and for the public to see. Um, so they will they will move to dismiss the case. They will move to uh, seal any kind of records that would be required to be submitted as part of the court process. So what are they looking for as a result? What is the end outcome that they want? Well, the, the attorney general said in his press conference today what he really wants is accountability. He wants to bring transparency. He, uh, they, they, have a, uh, they have the potential to levy $5,000 per violation um, as if they get a judgment. So $5,000 doesn't sound like that big a deal, but they pointed to an example uh, recently where the D.C. Attorney General, using this same Consumer Protection Act, was able to receive a judgment of more than $2 million made up of $5,000 increments against the company Instacart, which they said... uh, was not honest with D.C. residents about the services that it, that it was providing. 
So there, there is precedent for the D.C. Attorney General to levy these kinds of fines and to be successful getting judgments against out-of-state companies that impact D.C. residents. Whether a judge thinks that this is a tenuous argument or not will be a really interesting thing for folks like me who have been following this um, from the get-go. It's Spain and Fitz here. Spain, Jason Fitz, talking to Tisha Thompson, investigative and enterprise reporter for ESPN. You can follow her at Tisha ESPN. Let's say that this doesn't advance beyond this suit. And maybe even the NFL is able to protect the quote-unquote verbal investigation results that they intended never to release publicly. What kind of damage does it do for the continued issues that Daniel Snyder's been facing over many years and the reputation amongst other owners for whether or not it's worth still keeping him around if we've elevated to the point of, a, of an AG suing? Well, you know, it. It is yet another government investigation, Sarah. It, this, it's, it's pretty unusual for us to report that any government, whether it's state, local, or federal, is investigating a football team or any mm. professional team, frankly. I, I, you know, I've, I've covered stories where there's, you know, uh, fans who are upset about tickets and there's antitrust lawsuits. And you don't really see anything like this very often. And so this, this investigation is one of just so many of them. The, you have the, inter, the first internal investigation that the NFL did, which is called the Wilkinson Report. There is currently a second internal investigation going on, which is the Mary Jo White investigation that folks refer to. Okay, so that's just the NFL doing an investigation. Then on top of that, you have the congressional um, the U.S. House Reform and Oversight Committee, which has been doing its investigation for over a year. You now have the D.C. Attorney General, which has announced this civil lawsuit. There's also the Maryland and Virginia um, AG offices that are looking into this team, and allegations have been made against this team, both for financial improprieties and toxic workplace culture. And then last week, the investigative unit, along with myself, Seth Wickersham, and Don Van Natta, we reported that, according to at least two sources, there's also a criminal investigation happening in the Eastern District of Virginia through the U.S. Attorney's Office there. That could be a big deal whenever you get a criminal investigation. And this is just what we know about. This, this uh, investigation announced by the Attorney General for D.C. today, folks weren't really sure what he was going to announce. Was it going to be about financial impropriety? Was it going to be about ticketing? Was it going to be about the toxic workplace culture? No one really knew um, because there's so many things out there involving this team. What I was struck by today was that this wasn't just a lawsuit about Dan Snyder and the commanders. This is also now accusing the League of collusion and essentially covering up and working hand-in-hand with Snyder and the team uh, during the, that first internal investigation to, to, to not let folks know what really happened. Tisha, at the same time that all this is happening, John Gruden's also still suing the league, and I know that that's been yes, its own contentious yes. case. <laughs> uh, does all of this information eventually impact? I, I mean, just educate me here. What's discovered here, could it impact the other investigations, the other trials, the other processes that are all going yes. on? Absolutely. I mean, one of the questions I asked the D.C. Attorney General today, for instance, is a lot of what they revealed, so to speak, 
we already knew it had already come out as part of the congressional investigation. But there's different ramifications for each of these investigations. The Gruden lawsuit will be super interesting again, if these court records are made available for public review, if they don't get sealed, because it it will once again reveal the inner workings of relationships uh, between coaches, teams, the NFL. It is showing how the NFL does its business. And it wasn't all that long ago. I, I want to say it was, in, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking off the top of my head, so, you know, don't, I'm not totally sure, but it was about five years ago, I want to say, that the NFL gave up its special status that it had, um, essentially like a nonprofit status that it had, because it didn't want people to know how much Roger Goodell was getting paid. Because it had this special status, they had to report how salaries. And that's how we knew Roger Goodell was making millions of dollars. They didn't want us to know that anymore. So they gave up that nonprofit status and chose to pay more money to keep that kind of information out of the public's eye. They're a tough nut to crack. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot that happens with leagues that we're always trying to, you know, wrap our heads around. And, it, and these, every time there's a new government investigation, we learn a little bit more. I mean, a lot of what we've learned about the, about the commanders and Dan Snyder that we referred to in our investigation that we published a couple of weeks ago um, about the private investigators, if folks remember that story, the, a, lot of, a lot of that information came from yet another lawsuit that was filed against an Indian um, media organization because Snyder's legal team was using this very obscure federal law to force subpoenas and force people to turn over records in a civil lawsuit and now i'm getting really nerdy on you and i understand (laughs) that but like this is this is unusual these are very creative lawsuits and everyone is trying to find out what the other guy knows but it's because of those lawsuits that we started to become aware of the gruden email yeah i mean you know that's the first hint of the gruden emails comes from a lawsuit against an indian media company it's uh, there's every reason to be suspicious when people are working so hard to keep everything so secret. And we'll see if this suit unravels many of the questions that we've had and reveals many of the uh, points of the investigation that we've been hoping would go public. Uh, we appreciate your hard work on it, Tisha, and everyone follow her at Tisha ESPN to stay up to date on the story. Thanks so much. You're the best. Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome stuff from Tisha Thompson. You know, we didn't even have time to get into the Brian Robinson stuff and the team sort of trying to hide behind this tragedy that happened to their own player. We'll get into that and uh, a lot more about this commander story coming up next. Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Thursday night football underway. Falcons, Panthers, if you're into that kind of thing. Did your BFF, Marcus, just make a mistake? I don't have it pulled up yet. I mean... I wouldn't say it was a mistake, but we're going to have to talk to our our buddy Devin, producer extraordinaire, because his comment after he watched Marcus roll out and really not throw a pretty pass was, I could have thrown that. It was three (laughs) yards away. The other player was three yards away. I mean, Devin Devin is quite convinced he could have rolled out and and thrown the football in an actual NFL game. we got to do something about this. Yeah, with with the pass rush bearing down on you or just with the empty field of no people? He was rolling out. There was no one, like, in front of him, and – Kyle Pitts was literally three yards away. I feel like anybody in this room 
can make that throw. I no. That wow, you're including Fitz. That's I mean, very generous. I mean, room, Have so you seen Fitz? He's in a separate room. He's in a separate room. Yeah, Fair enough. Yeah, Fair I mean, enough. Okay, good, good. good. No, no. That really took away from your argument. Wow. Uh, it's Spain and Fitz. Sarah wow. Spain. Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. You can always hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz. We were just talking to Tisha Thompson about the latest in the continuing drama of the Washington football team and Daniel Snyder, the attorney general for Washington, filing a civil suit against the team, Daniel Snyder, the NFL, Roger Goodell. Uh, They allege that the team has colluded to deceive fans and residents of the district about the investigation into the toxic workplace there, the allegations of sexual assault, and about uh, the the financial improprieties that have been called uh, 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 to public as well. We didn't even get to one of the latest and really most disgusting things that has come out of this team. And that's really saying something, but this was, this was really gross. Brian Robinson running back for the team was shot, shot multiple times um, before, right before the season started. And he had worked his way back to the field. And when they heard about this press conference from the attorney general, this was the statement from a commander's spokesperson. Less than three months ago, a 23-year-old player on our team was shot multiple times in broad daylight. Despite the out-of-control violent crime in D.C., today the Washington Commanders learned for the first time on Twitter that the D.C. Attorney General will be holding a press conference to make a major announcement related to the organization tomorrow. The Commanders have fully cooperated with the AG's investigation for nearly a year. As recently as Monday, a lawyer for the team met with the AG who did not suggest at that time that he intended to take any action and in fact revealed fundamental misunderstandings of the underlying facts. It's unfortunate that in his final days in office, Mr. Racine appears more interested in making splashy headlines based on offbeat legal theories rather than doing the hard work of making the streets safe for our citizens, including bringing to justice the people who shot one of our players. Now listen, this is incredibly gross whataboutism. There is nothing that says that they can't both be interested in finding out the, the, the perpetrator behind the shooting of Brian Robinson. Uh, or any other crime for that matter, while simultaneously investigating the team and leveraging this horrific incident that happened to their player to try to deflect from their legal issues is a disgrace. And I do not blame Brian Robinson's lawyer for the statement that he made after that or the players for being frustrated. And and I'll just read quickly uh, uh, Ryan Williams, who represents Brian Robinson athletes first, Uh, Up until an hour ago, the commanders handled the Brian Robinson situation with so much care, sincerity, and class, and I was so grateful for all of it. Although I know that there are some great humans in that building, whoever is hiding behind this statement is not one of them. That's powerful. I mean, that's a powerful statement. I I have to remind everybody that, you know, that doesn't have a basic understanding on some of this, an attorney general is different than a district attorney. So an attorney general has no jurisdiction, jurisdiction whatsoever over criminal matters. So this is truly, to your point of whataboutism, the attorney general of Washington, D.C. wouldn't be the person that would be responsible for bringing any of these criminals to justice anyway. It's different departments that do right. different things. So the, the amount of crossover here that they're doing to try and save their butts and make everybody pay no attention to the man behind the curtain is disgusting. Well, and this is a tactic that's you know been used by them before, but I think in the past it was deflecting by way of threats of blackmail, of I have dirt on other people. It's Dan Snyder interfering with investigations by sending people to manipulate and harass potential witnesses. This is different. 
and none of the things that they've done have been right. But this really risks messing with the team itself and the players and their willingness to continue putting on a uniform and representing Daniel Snyder. And it certainly, if you include the investigation, elevates the NFL's interest in getting rid of him as an owner. Because this is an unending stream of bad publicity and disrespect to the league for years now. From the cheerleaders to the sexual harassment to the toxic workplace to the financial improprieties to the allegations that Snyder has dirt on all the other owners and potentially has been tracking them with P.I.s. I mean, it's it's remarkable that he's still around. I think ownership in the NFL needs to take a close look at themselves, too, and wonder about the standard that they apply to players because players can be suspended for doing anything that reflects the league in a negative light, right? If, if all of a sudden you did something and Roger Goodell says, hey, that's a black mark on the NFL, you're sitting out football games. At what point is there going to be the same level of standard? Because we have to remember that this isn't my grandfather's NFL where you don't even really think about the GM or the owner as much. In modern culture, when things don't go right with a, with a football team, the first thing you're thinking about is who runs it and what are they doing. So these owners in the NFL have become a bigger part of the culture and how we view the NFL than ever before. So there should be some standard they're all held to. Yeah, and I'm very interested to see what Ron Rivera has to say about this. He has been a human meat shield for this team since arriving. Any number of improprieties and issues from leaks at the stadium to the stadium falling onto fans to the more serious allegations of toxic workplace, and now one of his players being used to deflect. It's the expectations for Ron Rivera to be the cover for all of this while simultaneously trying to coach the team fits. Uh, it's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. I feel like he's just going to walk in every, every week now and be like, I'm going to need a raise. I don't care what the outcome right, is. Right? I need more money to deal with this today. Or be like, I'm only going to talk X's and O's. Oh. I am not responsible for Daniel Snyder or any decision-making at the upper levels of this franchise. I refuse to speak on them and I wouldn't blame him for doing that. College basketball has begun, but how can the sport get people to care this early in the season? Our next guest will offer some suggestions. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Congratulations to all the winners last night, the CMA Awards. Successful broadcast, as always. One of the cool and premier nights in country music. And uh, Peyton Manning, Luke Bryan did a heck of a job hosting that together. I hope they bring that group back together constantly. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Tune in to the Armed Forces Classic tomorrow night. Michigan State takes on Gonzaga, presented by Disabled American Veterans. Coverage begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. In case you didn't know it, college basketball season is underway, and we need to know what to look for. So, we're joined now by ESPN College Basketball reporter Myron Metcalf, also host of the Countdown to Kickoff on ESPN Radio. You can hear him all the time. Myron, it sort of hit, I'll be honest, like it hit me like a kick to the no-no places. I didn't know it was coming. All of a sudden, basketball season is here. I don't even know how to, to sort of adjust about that. So what to you is like the one exciting storyline that has you jumping for joy right now? Well, the one thing I'll say is college basketball needs to figure out how to break through so that people aren't surprised when it shows up. Like, I don't know mm, if that's facts. moving the season to January. I don't know if that's starting with sort of a tournament to get people interested, but it has to figure out something. Uh, I mean, I think I'm interested uh, a lot in just sort of all the guys who've come back because of NIL. You know, a lot of the players, Oscar Shibway at Kentucky, Drew Timmy at Gonzaga, 
Amanda Baycott at North Carolina. Those are all guys who would have at least tried to go to the NBA. And if that hadn't worked out, probably would have played overseas, made some good money. But now that they can make millions with name, image, and likeness deals, they've stayed. So you got a lot of talent that returned in college basketball, and I think that's going to make the product even better. What's the team that you're going to try to watch as many games as possible? Because like you said, it's hard to break through. There's so much else going on right now. So if people are going to set aside some time, what's going to be a team worth them checking out? It's a good question. I, I do think Kentucky's interesting. I mean, you have a guy in Oscar Sheway who could be the first two-time Wooden Award winner since Ralph Sampson, only the second guy to win the award twice. Uh, I think they're fascinating, and they got a lot of pressure on them, man. They lost to St. Peter's. So a lot of people are doubting them. Uh, can they finally live up to the hype and, and cut down the nets again? I know that's a big deal at that school. So I think they're pretty high on the list for me. I mean, Duke and John Shire, no Coach K. Can he put it together? You know, how is it going to be when he starts to face some of the scrutiny and pressure? I think that comes with not being Coach K once they struggle. Uh, so I think, you know, the Blue Bloods at the top are, are certainly very, very interesting and, and worth paying attention to. So with Duke, there's a real conversation about what to expect this year, but also how much patience to have. I mean, I, I don't think you can overstate how difficult it is to replace Coach K. So what should we expect and how patient should we be? I don't think he gets any patience because he's got, you know, one of the top recruiting classes in America. He's got projected lottery picks on his roster. Derek Whitehead, Derek Lively, once they get healthy. He's bringing a guy back in Jeremy Roach, who was a star and a hero for last year's NCAA tournament run. So I don't think Shire gets that because, you know, it wasn't like Coach K left. It wasn't a Lincoln Riley situation, right, where he took everybody with him and he's no longer there. I mean, there's a lot of talent for John Shire, and I think that's going to intensify the pressure and raise the expectations. I think people expect him to compete for a championship in year one because that's what his roster says he can do. So uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how it all breaks down. I was down at Duke. Uh, Coach K showed up to a practice, didn't really talk to anybody, was kind of in the shadows a little bit, and it was a bit weird, you know. But I think that'll be sort of the thing they deal with all season uh, with the legacy of Coach K. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking to Myron Metcalf, ESPN college basketball reporter. You can follow him at Metcalf by ESPN. Are there any teams that have injuries or guys that are held out right now? We're not going to see what they really look like for a while, so early results might not be a great indicator of how good they'll be. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I've been talking about some of the same teams. Obviously, Duke, you know, Derek Whitehead and Derek Lively haven't been healthy. Oscar Sheboy is still out uh, for Kentucky. Nick Smith didn't play. Uh, in the first game at Arkansas, he's going to be a top-five pick. Uh, freshman to watch. I mean, could be an All-American in, in just his first season. Uh, Justin Moore for Villanova tore his uh, Achilles, I believe it was, last year. And he's going to be out for a while for, for Kyle Neptune's team. But I think once he gets healthy, that's going to be a huge addition uh, for Villanova uh, toward the end of the season. So there are certainly some uh, big-time injuries that we're watching to see if teams can get healthy in time to make a run. Myron, we're talking to Myron Metcalf, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Myron, one of the stories we talk a lot about in college football is the upcoming realignment. It seems to be lording over everybody's mind. How much is that on the minds of the college basketball uh, community? Big. You know, I I had a coach, I had a a mid-major coach, a non-power five coach, tell me that he's starting to tell recruits that if you stay with me for two or three years, I can get you to a power five school. So, like, it's really changing the dynamic. I mean, there's always been sort of a a haves and have-nots in college basketball, but uh, I think it's becoming even more intensified. And once UCLA 
and USC, which have been strong programs, go to the Big Ten. Oklahoma and Texas have been solid. They go to the SEC. I think the big concern in the basketball community is, does the NCAA tournament go away at some point? Do the Power Fives break off and do their own thing and kind of leave everybody behind? I know some folks who think that's crazy. I know a bunch of other folks in the business who are saying they make a lot of money and they consider it. What's the deal with NIL this year and how much has it affected the landscape? Because we spend a whole lot of time talking about it. It is still very much the wild, wild west. It is still, in almost every occasion, a violation of Title IX, which most people don't know. Uh, how is it playing out this year? Well, I mean, it dictated so many moves uh, and so many decisions that were made. I mean, I talked earlier about the guys who who came back. I mean, but there are also a lot of players who made decisions, you know, where NIL was a factor. Tyrese Hunter goes from Iowa State down to Texas. I mean, all reports suggest that he got, you know, some good money. Uh, although all these guys will tell you it's not NIL, but uh, certainly it was a factor. Nigel Pack at Miami uh, got a two-year deal for 800 k and a car. Um, so I think this year it was certainly uh, a major factor. But I also think there's a giant gap. Like there's some people at the top who are making a bunch of money, and then that second tier is just a different level. But I think what a lot of people are waiting for is that market correction. How long are boosters going to fuel some of these big deals we've seen so far uh, if they're not getting the return on their investment? Now, if you're Paige Beckers, you're going to be a millionaire no matter what happens. If you're some of these yeah. top athletes, you're good. But is that next tier going to be getting a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars? That remains to be seen. Well, I want to ask really quick to follow up on that. Are there any big places that are not hanging with the top of the pack, or schools that you think are making a big leap in terms of getting talent because they've managed to get their boosters to to come together and offer better better deals? Yeah, I mean, I think you know Texas has certainly been in the mix. They they certainly uh, were helped. I think this off season for what they were able to do to get some of the top transfers. I think the the real benefit, though, has been the guys who stayed. Like, the guys who could have turned pro, Marcus Sasser at Houston, like, but they but they realized they could make some money staying where they are. And, and I think that's going to be the new dynamic in college basketball. If you're not a top-ten pick guaranteed, or maybe even if you are, another year or two at college is only going to make you more of a hero in that local market. You could make mm-hmm. some money, still Absolutely. go pro, and when it's all said and done, you come back – and you're still living good. All right, Myron, you're going to go to all these environments. You get to travel to all these places. As much as yeah. I've been around college football, I haven't been to a, don- a ton of these environments around college, you know, basketball games particularly. What's the the one that you look forward to the most? So I think Allen Fieldhouse is crazy. I mean, you go to the Fog, I mean, that's just like a unique experience. That's one of those, like, bucket list things that everybody should do because uh, it's such a unique environment. I'll give you a weird one kind of off the radar that nobody would ever think. Grand Canyon University is the wildest experience I've ever had. And it's a small school. <laughs> it's in the WAT. And you're probably going, how, right? It's like the only for-profit university, actually, at the Division One level. Um, and their crowd is so synchronized. It's wild. It's the most chaotic environment I've ever been to. Schools don't want to go there. They're afraid to play them. Legitimately, as crazy as it sounds, Grand Canyon University is the best atmosphere I've been to <laughs> in college basketball. Wild. Wow. Hey, you said you wanted him to break through. By the way, Myron Metcalf is with us, host of Countdown to Kickoff on ESPN Radio, ESPN College Basketball Reporter. Help the sport break through by giving us a game this week that we should all turn on. Well, I mean, there's not much happening. There's Michigan State, Gonzaga, but I think you got to go to the Champions Classic. I mean, I think that that's going to be the matchup that people are watching. 
uh, when Kentucky and Michigan State, uh, Kansas and Duke all face off. Obviously, Kentucky's going to play Michigan State. Uh, Kansas and Duke will, will match up. So that, I think, is sort of a good teaser, if you will. My idea is, if you really want to get people interested, replay the Sweet 16 at the start of every season. Like, take mm, the teams that go. were there at the end and play yeah. that at the start of the year. Or else, move the season to January, and then let's turn it into May Madness when there's really nothing going on in the sports scene and take advantage there. I just think we're too tied to tradition, and in a world where everybody's trying to compete for eyeballs, you got to do something new and drastic, I think, in college basketball in this part of the season. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more, Myron. I've been saying for years, I wish that the first Sunday after football season they would give us, like, Kansas and Duke and, like, big, huge yep. matchups at Sunday at 1 and 4 p.m. on CBS where you're used to watching things anyway. That's mm-hmm. – uh, but they haven't made me the czar of sports. Uh, follow them on Twitter, <laughs> at Metcalf by ESPN. If they did, UNLV would be in the Pac-12. But that's a whole other discussion. Byron, <laughs> we appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, thanks. I'm trying to figure out how to get UNLV in the Pac-12. I'm also trying to figure out how to get two good teams on Thursday Night Football. I can only do so much, but we do have a score in the Thursday Night Football game. We'll get you updated on that. Plus, the jersey question that I have to have answered. Who was thinking what when they designed some of the unis we've seen today from the NBA? We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. I know. I know. How can you take your eyes away from the juggernaut matchup known as Falcons-Panthers? We're going to try and distract you with mm-hmm. the glory of the goodness of Spain and Fitz. We do have a score, though, in the game. It is 3-0 at this point. So, uh, And we have a, a cool story from the game. Because uh, the left tackle for the Falcons went with the team to Carolina for the game, found out once he was there that his wife went into labor this morning, went back to Atlanta, made it for the birth of his first child, and then flew back to Carolina and made it in time for the game. That only makes me think of, by the way, it's 3 nothing Panthers ahead. Uh, many years ago, I was playing the CMA Awards, which were last night for anyone that was uh, loves country music. And at the time, uh, Luke Bryan's drummer, uh, his wife was pregnant. And so an, a drummer for another band was going to sit in and play with Luke at the award show. And about, I don't know, half an hour before the, the show went live, uh, Kent, Kent came running in the room. And he's like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And everybody's like, oh, my God, why are you here? And he's like... Well, she already had the baby, so now we figure, like, she did the hard part. Everything's good. I saw that. Now let's go make some TV money. So, uh, you know, I I get, like, hey, I I love it. Like, uh, much different pay scale in the NFL than the CMA Awards. But still, uh, anytime somebody can get out there and and, uh, see the birth of their child, that's far more important than work. Uh, 3 nothing. Panthers over the Falcons at the end of the first quarter uh, in in the matchup of the to- the uh, the tight AFC or NFC South I should say uh, it, it's a tight division full of a bunch of suck but the Buccaneers <laughs> Falcons are both four and five the Saints only a game back at three and six and yes the Panthers at two and seven Sarah are only two games out of first place in their division. Yeah, I mean this is a team that's trying actively to be bad and still manages to beat other teams trying to be good. That's sort of the story of the NFL. It's really it's it's really early for any team to decide it's over other than your Raiders. Yeah, well, and the Raiders are playing the Colts. I'm starting to wonder. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That is a true tankathon. I I don't know what either side does in this one. Like, I wonder if they're just going to, like, send the coaches out on the field and see, like, let's just see what happens at this point. So uh, uh, that could be the ultimate tank game. Uh, One thing I do know is that the Raiders and Colts, we at least know what they're going to look like when they step on the field. Uh, I can't always say the same for, let me just be very clear, 
I'm not the great fashion uni guy. I know, I know, shocking to America, but I'm not the person. You'll take whatever's free. uh, Yeah, 100%. uh, Unless it's an NFL jersey for Kansas City. Uh, I will never wear that. Uh, But uh, when it comes to these NBA jerseys, like they do all of the different editions. First and foremost, you are a big Bulls fan. Are you in for these alt jerseys in general? I think some of them are really cool. Like the the heat ones that look like a ransom note are not my vibe. The heat ones that used to be like the really cool Miami Vice ones, those were awesome. But the ones where it looks like you cut out the letters, I'm not cool with. The Chicago ones are pretty boring. I think you got to take big swings for these. If you're going to go weird and funky, do something different. Um, and I think this year, most of them are misses. Uh, some more so than others. <laughs> yeah, I, and you're right, by the way. I love the the let's take a swing on it. Like the Celtics one just looks like a glorified Celtics, Bucks yeah. jersey to me. It doesn't look any different. Uh, yeah, it looks but, a little too much like the Bucks. And the Brooklyn Nets thing looks like they just had a, a, a child scribble it on the, the chest. But the Charlotte Hornets yeah. ha- have gone with the, the abbreviation for uh, their team. So it just says CLT on their, on their uniforms, which has really made Twitter – Expo- uh, mm-hmm. explode today like yeah. twitter is just they're it, a tough to find jersey yeah, yeah. Uh, some would say elusive it, others would do they say really a even exist i don't know yeah, yeah. Crazy. Say, uh never been found by most uh some would argue pretty good like defenders won't be able to find them it's particularly noteworthy for the example that they provided which is a number one jersey so clt with a one right below uh, some are saying that there's another jersey that if you happen to find that Charlotte jersey, you might buy to celebrate, and that's the Milwaukee Bucks alternate that says Cream City. Uh, there's plenty of options of city edition jerseys that you might be interested. You might also be interested in knowing from the account UniWatch, which is much more invested in all of this. Paul Lucas has been tracking this stuff for years that there was uh, a team putting uh, uh, this CLT jersey, giving it a run for its money for a certain high school team uh, with the initials CUM. Uh, the Christian Universal Ministry hoops team wore uh, red jerseys with a nice white sleeve uh, with their initials, CUM. I, and let me point out quickly that CLT is the uh, airport abbreviation for it Charlotte, is. right? We all know this. It is. And for anyone that thinks that we don't know this, you know, uh, anytime you fly. And we know that Cream City is and, based on the bricks in Milwaukee. Yeah, any, anytime you fly through Charlotte, you, you, we're all fully aware. I just, this is one of those, like, who's in the room conversations. Like, maybe just have, uh, I, I've, I've often said at ESPN, I think the best show prep for some of our cutting-edge new media is when you have a group of people that are fresh out of college that have great, clever, creative, amazing ideas combined with a bunch of people that have worked here for like 30 years that hate everything that isn't what they're used to. And and you you bring those together and you've at least got enough people in the room to say, hey, man, that is not a good idea. Right. When I see this. Maybe like, ah, woman. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Ah, you know. Ah. Yeah, woman. The the number of times I just look at this, I'm like, if you just had any, the word of the, the triggers so many people, representation yeah. in the room, you mm-hmm. might not do this. I don't know. It's just, it, it feels yeah. like somebody there should have said, hey, hey guys, just, just question. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a simple enough thing uh, to not get your team absolutely deluged with sex jokes. Um, 
over your jerseys, but maybe you think they'll sell better because of that. Um, also simple is uh, something I learned today that uh, happened to the Broncos. They got a <laughs> delay of game penalty because a player was eating a hot dog on the sidelines. Uh, it would seem simple enough uh, not to do that, if that, except I think Mark Sanchez did that. I yeah, think Eddie Sanchez Lacy did that did, at yeah. one point. Yeah. I'm not sure why you get a delay of game for that. Um yeah, it just uh, wasn't. It wasn't ready. It was still. They were. They were waiting for one dude to get done eating. Oh, okay. So they had. Uh, they were. They were short a player because that particular individual who was meant to be on the the field. I couldn't figure out what the exact violation was. <laughs> uh, but that would make sense. So look, in a world where I want more honest officiating. Oh my God! I just found the best quote too. It's just so matter of fact. Bronco special teams coordinator Dwayne Stukes. We had a guy on the sideline eating a hot dog. I guess. Guess he didn't go out there. <laughs> That's just amazing. I mean, the devil's in the details for great Going teams, forward, right? Going forward, we'll make an emphasis of all 11 guys being out there. I mean, like, what, are they going to add a coach on the staff that walks up and down and is like, hot dogs, get your hot to finish. Yeah, finish yeah. your hot dogs. Now, also, yeah. was he going to house that hot dog and then go out and run and all the way down yeah. the field right after mm -hmm. that? It feels like maybe the get back guy could also be the number counter guy oh, of how many people are out there. It feels like the get-back guy should be responsible for like, hey, we might need you in a minute, so you can't have your hot dog now. You can't. Yeah, he'll be the glizzy guy. Hot dog and eat it too. Freddie and Fitzsimmons wow. coming up next. I, I know that they're going to have an abundance of hot dogs, more than anybody could ever handle. Also, the entire Broncos team is joining them, so we'll wow. see if they Except have any comments on this. Except for the hot dog this. guy. And well, Joey Chestnut's there to handle short, that one. One guy. Oh, good, up. perfect, good kid. Thanks for listening to Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.